Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Lux mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Bite, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello to our fellow royal lovers. Welcome back to Royally Us. I'm Joe Drake, here with the lovely Molly Mulshine. How's it going? Very good, Joe. Very, very placid week in royal news. It, it really was. But I mean, we obviously were waiting for that statue. And like we said last week, our show comes out on Wednesdays, as you all know. I hope you know. And so the unveiling of Princess Diana's statue was on a Thursday. So the timing for us was just a little odd. Yeah, and we were kind of convinced that it was going to be a little dramatic, and they really, they were above it. They kind of just kept their heads above the water. I think it was good. I thought it was handled so well. We'll get into it more in a second, but yeah, I think you're right. It was like they were in, they were out. There was no drama. They're like, Harry's back in the U.S. They were all smiles. I mean, it it was, they did it really well. There was nothing really dramatic to talk about. Yeah, not even any like off the record leaks or anything. Right. They walk us through exactly what we saw. It's been a week. I already forget. (laughs) So Harry and William both attended the unveiling at Kensington Palace without their spouses. Uh, There was a tiny guest list that kind of kept the focus on the tribute to Diana. Her siblings were all there, her two sisters and her brother. Some people were very confused and thought that Camilla was there. Uh, I had a couple people ask me that. I guess, really? yeah, one of her sisters she either like one of the sisters. One of them has sort of the blonde like bouffant that Camilla has, and right. I was like, oh my gosh, no, they would never. I mean, Camilla and Charles were in Scotland. Could you imagine if like Camilla was like, oh, I I I thought I was supposed to be here. <laughs> I know. I mean, that would have been so awkward, but it was so not awkward. Camilla. It was. So the the Diana siblings are Earl Charles Spencer, Lady Sarah McCorkwadale, and Lady Jane Fellows. So um, they were all there and they wanted to keep it personal. That was what a source told us about the event. They they didn't want it. It wasn't a last minute decision. They decided a few weeks ago that the other royals wouldn't be attending. So it kind of made sense, I guess. It was a smart decision in the end. I know last week I was hypothetically wishing that Harry and William walk in with Kate and Megan on their arm because in hindsight, or I shouldn't say that, I guess in a perfect world, they're both now married with children. And 
in my opinion, Diana would love Kate and Megan for their own separate personalities and what they bring to the marriages with their with her sons. So to see the four of them come together for this would have just been monumental, but I understand why they didn't. COVID was sort of the perfect excuse to continue a small intimate affair. Uh, I also would have loved to have seen Charles and Camilla, the queen, you know, the whole royal family come together to sort of put their stamp of approval on this. But obviously- yeah, that would have been a very mature move, but I think there might just be too much bad blood there. Like, I'm surprised that they even have this statue at Kensington Palace and that there even have been a few different Diana exhibits at the in the museum part of Kensington Palace or the public part of Kensington Palace over the past few years. Right. Like, they've been sort of distancing themselves from Diana's legacy ever since her death. So. Yeah. You know, for them to, I think it's like baby steps of like bringing her back into the fold. Uh, you know, I thought that the designer, Ian Rank Broadly, the fact that he designed it was a huge stamp of approval because right. he designs, the, like we said, I think last week, the queen's profile on the coins. So what did you think of the statue itself? I was going to say, let's talk about the nitty gritty of this. Aside from William and Harry, I thought it was beautiful. It was actually sort of what I thought it would, would look like. I I know we spoke about how real it was going to look. I didn't think it was going to look that real. And I don't think it ended up like it looks like her, but there's a little bit of like an abstract artistic flair to it. Right. I don't know. I think, or you so think it, it, I was really confused by the <laughs> outfit because of course, in my perfect world, we would be celebrating Glamazon Diana with a bunch of kids around her because uh, I love the duality of Diana being this glamorous fashion plate who was also a huge philanthropist. And I think you can be both at once. And I love that. But I think they went for a subdued outfit on purpose, you know, yeah. very like blouse centric. I just was yeah. immediately like, there's the blouse. Wow. But then... <laughs> I learned why they they selected that outfit. I mean, this isn't, I'm sort of speculating, but. Okay, that's fine. We speculate on the show. Yeah, the, <laughs> the outfit appears in a professional photo shoot that she had with William and Harry, where she's in a very similar pose, but, and her hands are on William and Harry. So I think the symbolism of the outfit choice and the kids around her is that she treated every child as if they were her own. And that's why love. they, right? I'm like, like, I, I just love that. I have like chills from my own theory. <laughs> yeah, right. It's such a good theory. I, that's something I caught on right away with the children was my initial thought was like, oh yeah, she's like mother earth. She's like the mother to all children because of what she did on her time here was incredible. I, and I initially thought it was too young boys, but it's a boy and a girl. And then behind, I'm looking at the picture right now, behind the girl is a third child, another boy. Yeah, do we know why they picked those three specific children? Because I mean, that that is a specific choice to have the three kids and one of them behind. Yeah, we don't know yet, but I'll, I'll keep researching for next week because I am interested. And I was trying to figure it out this week, um, but I think you're right with your theory. I mean, it's hit the nail on the head that she is, she treats all children like her own. And she had this very sort of motherly 
aspect to her personality at all times. Yeah, and it just ties it to that family portrait. But I would have loved to have seen a little bit more of her sense of humor in this piece and like her charisma and her spark. I felt like it was a very, very serious piece of work. And of course, it's a royal commission. So of course it's gonna be super serious, but you know, she she had a sense of humor. She was a fun and funny person, according to everyone who knew her. I mean, Stuart Pierce has told us that. And yeah. I the 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 artist also made a statue of Josephine Baker, who is also an iconic, iconic woman of the 20th century. And if you look up what that statue looks like, it's so full of movement and it's so full of life. And while I love this statue and it fits in very well on the gardens of Kensington Palace. It does. It looks like it has always been there. Right. It, and it has the same sort of vibe and shape as like a statue of Queen Victoria, which is there are statues of her all over London. But I also just am like, I wish it had a little bit of that fun and movement that we see in the Josephine. Yeah, totally get it. yeah this one's definitely very stiff mm-hmm. and stoic. And going back to the outfit, I know we pick apart women's attire all the time and I hate even doing this, but you were mentioning the blouse, the, you know, she's also wearing a pencil skirt. So that very much is sort of like linear and stiff. It's not like right. a sort of ball gown like you were referring, you know? Yeah, it, it's definitely like a 90s minimalist sort of vibe. <laughs> well, Kensington Palace did release a statement on sort of the look of it, said the style, quote, the style of dress was based on the final period of her life as she gained confidence in her role as an ambassador for humanitarian causes and aims to convey her character and compassion, which I think it does. Yeah, I think so. And uh, printed on a plaque is a verse from The Measure of a Man, which was also used uh, during her 2007 memorial service. And it reads, quote, these are the units to measure the worth of this woman as a woman, regardless of birth. Not what was her station, but had she a heart? How did she play her God-given part? I think it's I love that. Yeah, it's really, and, and there's, a, there's kind of a big emphasis on royal duty in those lines, you know? How did yeah. she play her God-given part? That's, you know, the like royalists believe that royal roles are God-given and she used hers to try to make the world a better place, you know, especially later on in her life. So it's such an appropriate verse for that. Definitely. We'll stick around uh, later in the episode, everyone. We talked to Princess Diana's close friend, Stuart Pierce, again. We brought him back on the show to get his take on the statue, and you aren't going to want to miss what he had to say. It was pretty interesting. Kate Middleton is in quarantine because she was exposed to someone that tested positive for COVID-19, right, Molly? Yes. So she apparently came into contact with someone who tested positive later on. Uh, She's apparently not experiencing any symptoms, but the government guidelines in the UK are that you have to stay home if you come in contact with someone. So we've got an app here in the UK that tells you if you've come into contact with anybody and it tells you to quarantine. So uh, she's following all the rules um, according to Kensington Palace. And she actually had to miss out on a few different events. She's missing um, an appearance at St. Paul's Cathedral in London. And, you know, she, she, I I think she is fully vaccinated, so she should be fine, but better safe than sorry. Definitely. And she was at Wimbledon, I think, 
people are speculating that could have been where it happened. And she was alerted uh, via one of her people. And it seemed like she was whisked, whisked away pretty early because she didn't stay for her friend's match, which she normally would have. So people were thinking, oh, you know, she was told then and had to go. And that's what I was thinking about is, we have an app here in the United States too that does the same. And, you know, I think your rules right now are a little bit stricter than what we're going through right now, but fortunately or unfortunately for someone like Kate Middleton, she has to set the example because mm -hmm. if it come, if it came out that she was exposed to COVID-19 and didn't quarantine, like that's just a no, no for the Royal family. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, quarantining at a palace, not so bad. You know what? Take me home. I'll stay there for 10 days. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, in regards to the statue unveiling, though, I mean, everyone was speculating that Kate would have been the surprise guest because she, of course, lives um, in the UK with her family, but she didn't go. Right. Right. So apparently she was supporting him without physically being there, according to a source. Um, she really wanted to attend, but the family as a whole decided it was best for the kids and her to stay home. And I'm just dying to know why. What do you, what do you think? I mean, my, my initial thought is Megan and Lilibet and Archie couldn't be there. So to have William, Kate and family all attend and Harry be there solo would have just been horrible optics. We're about to talk to a body language expert who broke everything down for us. I think the focus would have been on so many other things other than the two brothers. And I think they wanted it to be William, Harry, the statue, and like the siblings and a few other guests that no one really was looking at, right? Right. But also, on the other hand, having some cute little kids playing around is a really good buffer for any awkward family situation. Great point. And the, the children in the statue and the fact that they are Princess Diana's grandchildren, that's a good point. That They could have diffused any of the awkward tension if there were to be any, but it didn't appear that there was. Right. I mean, the only awkwardness, we'll get to it, but the, yeah, to me, the only awkwardness was the couple times that Harry went and looked up and smiled at William and he just sort of was tunnel vision, right. not in Harry's direction. That was the only thing where I was like, oh, come on, just look at him. You know, he's looking at you. Right. All right, let's get into the royalty because we have been waiting to spill all the tea on the body language between William and Harry. We were all anxiously awaiting to see what the statue would look like. But of course, we were all anxiously waiting to see the interaction between Prince William and Prince Harry. So please welcome to Spill the Royal Tea body language expert, Blanca Cobb. Well, Blanca, thank you so much for joining us. We, of course, wanted to talk to a body language expert because of the unveiling of Princess Diana's statue. Everyone was looking at the body language between William and Harry. So we had to ask you on, what did you think when you first saw them? When I first saw them, what was interesting is when they turned the corner, they had, they had a very similar appearance. So what I mean is they both had their hand up right in front of their jacket. So what, what that is, is that synchronicity. And when you're connected with someone emotionally, you can see that synchronicity. But that was really the only time that I saw it because then during the rest of the clip that I saw, they were really more separated. They were still in the same space, but they were doing their own thing with very limited contact. Oh, that makes sense. And even when they were not going the same way, they sort of were smiling and laughing. Did that come across as natural to you? It came across as they were enjoying the company of the people they were talking to. 
they weren't talking to each other. There was one time when Harry actually was looking behind his brother's back at somebody who got his attention and he's smiling. That was a genuine smile. So he's engaging with somebody else. He wasn't engaging with his brother. So they were enjoying themselves with the other people. I, I did notice that. Do you think that based on their body language, did it look like they had talked to each other prior? To, obviously they were somewhere waiting to enter sure. the sunken garden. Did it look like they had had a, not a dispute, but maybe a serious conversation or did it remain jovial and light? Well, there's no way to tell what happened before I saw them on camera. So I have no idea about that, but I do believe in a situation where it's formal and you know, all eyes are on you. And it is such a momentous occasion with the unveiling of the statue of their mother. They're going to try to interact somewhat. They're, they really, this is a moment of unity, not of separation, not of division. So regardless of what might be going on with their brotherly relationship, I do believe they try to steer it in, if you will, or pull it in together to show some camaraderie. Right. It certainly looked like they had had a little bit of coaching, maybe from someone such as yourself, uh, because in previous um, appearances, they definitely looked a lot frostier with each other. So I was wondering if you think that maybe they like, was it a conscious effort to try and look as buddy buddy as possible? Perhaps. Absolutely. A lot of public figures will get body language coaching before major events, but also there's time and there's distance from whatever has happened in the past. And sometimes time can help heal situations or hard feelings. I'm not saying it's completely over. I'm just letting you know what could be contributing. Right. Obviously, Harry flew back from the United States to the United Kingdom for this event. Mm -hmm. Aside from what has been going on with the interview that he gave with his wife, Megan, and other things, he still was going back to his old territory, perhaps William's territory. How did Harry appear in this environment, having moved to the United States and coming back? Did he seem comfortable or uncomfortable? I thought overall he was comfortable. He was just more relaxed with that big smile. And you can even tell by his position. I mean, he had one leg was pointed out a little bit, not with both feet underneath his hips, you know, hip distance apart. That's more relaxed. That's more casual. And he was, he used his hands more. So if you can't compare the brothers when they were talking to other people in that clip, Harry's the one who was using his hands. He was just more relaxed and more engaging, not as formal as William was. And so what that lets me know is there was a level of comfort for him. Did it seem like William was kind of the one in charge? I felt like I detected a couple times Harry sort of looking to him for approval. Did you notice that at all? Yes. I'm not sure if it was approval or more for guidance or what to do next. I mean, there's a hierarchy in the family. I mean, I, I, I'm not really thinking about the royal one, but also we're talking about older siblings and younger siblings. And a lot of times a younger sibling will look to the older one in a situation like this. Okay, what are we going to do next? What's going on? Just to get some clues. So, yes, I did feel that Harry was looking more at William than vice versa. And you could tell also because there were times that Harry would actually walk over to where his brother and somebody else was talking. And William did not did not in my opinion, it didn't look like he was ever moving towards Harry. Obviously the uh, ceremony was intimate because of COVID and other issues. Um, and it was also a very short ceremony. You know, it was basically the unveiling of the statue, 
some light applause, some chatter, and then they were out. Do you think that that was meant to be in terms of us maybe wanting to observe them for too too long? Like there wasn't enough to observe, so they were like, let's move them away quick, quicker? It very well could be. I think that's a great hypothesis that you're bringing up. They know that everyone is watching and everyone is going to pick them apart, if you will. So the shorter amount of time that they're in public, the better. Was there anything that stuck out to you that you hadn't seen from either of them before or anything unusual in the way that they were sort of carrying themselves? Again, if we're going back to, to Harry and William, so there was one time that Harry was on the right of his brother. And if you look at their feet, your feet can really tell you a lot that what someone is feeling in the moment. So when Harry would actually turn his feet to angle towards his brother, his brother didn't respond by turning towards Harry. And so what that indicates is he was more stoic. He was less engaging with his brother. In my opinion, Harry was trying to make attempts to engage with William. Do you think in hindsight now, looking back at the footage of them all together and knowing what we know that there could have been this rift, did it look like it was two brothers who are on the outs or did it look like two brothers who are totally fine with each other? Great question. I think if you're looking at it, well, it's hard because we're talking about the royal family. So there's a certain royal protocol when you're out in public, right? In terms of how you express yourself and any type of emotion that you would show. So if we were to take that out of this equation, right, and just look at two siblings, we would expect with the unveiling of their mother, who they both loved tremendously, you know, since passed, that there would be some type of emotion, that they would look to each other for some type of support, right? That's not anything that we saw. During the unveiling, Harry looked over to William. Are we going to pull at the same time? What's going on? It was a lot of non-verbals there. But Afterwards, there really was no connection between the two. And you would anticipate that there would be some type of some words or nonverbal communication between siblings, and it wasn't there. So from that perspective, it really gets a sense that something isn't quite right. But now that you're bringing in the royalness, right, and how they're supposed to present themselves in, in public, if you will, that might have been more formal and perhaps intentional. Right. As an American living in the UK, I have to ask you, do you see a lot of big differences between standard American body language and British body language? Oh, that is another fabulous question. And I'm not around too many British people. So I really can't, I can't come up with any examples right now, but there would be culturally, like particularly with hand gestures, if you will, there are going to be some hand gestures in the United States that we can do. Oh, I think one just came to mind, the peace sign. So depending on how you position your hand, it can mean something great in the U.S. and not so much in Britain, right? Really? So, yeah, we have to, yes. Mm -hmm. It's more of a, a, a vulgarity in Britain, depending on how you position your your fingers, the peace sign. Oh, interesting. So, so in the United States, we have our peace sign with your palm out, right? But that can be interpreted not so nicely in okay. Britain. I do believe if I'm correct, it's this way. That's, That's more appropriate. Right. It's more appropriate. See, this is why people need body language coaching like yourself. <laughs> you guys both, you spoke about how people may receive coaching mm -hmm. uh, people that are in the public eye, what goes into that? This is a perception because somebody's perception of you becomes their reality of you, whether it's true or not. 
So how you carry yourself, how you use your voice, how you use your hands, how you're walking, because everything builds on each other. So if you come across very confident, but in the course of a conversation, then you start to deflate, if you will, then that's going to send the impression to somebody, ooh, something just happened. They may not know what, but it's visible to them. And also with the voice, the voice can let you know if somebody's engaged or animated, excited, whether they're interested or not. And the same with hand gestures. So there's a lot that goes into it. And also what the goal is. What is the goal of you being at a public event? Mm-hmm. Is it how do you want to come across? You want to come across authoritative? Do you want to come across friendly and warm? What is it? And when you find out what the goal is and you can help people with their body language to show gestures that would represent what their goal is. That's the first thing that I, sorry, Molly, to cut you off, but the first thing I noticed was the smiling, the laughing. You were talking about the hand placement. I mean, the moment I saw them, it was like warm, happy, jovial. And I was like, they know what they're doing with this because if they came out, like Molly was saying about a bit frostier, Everyone would go, oh, we're all right. Oh my God, they hate each other. But there was very much this, we are brothers. We are in this to to revere our mother and this is for her. So there was definitely all of that going on, I think. Yeah, Blanca, have you seen, there's sort of a cottage industry of like Meghan Markle body language analysis videos on YouTube where people are convinced that her every micro expression is like evidence of a personality disorder. And I always look at these videos and I'm like, first of all, sometimes the camera catches you at a weird moment. And second of all, she's also an actor. So she has, she is very aware of the way she comes across. So is it even worth trying to sort of comb through someone who is an actor, like their body language? Oh, sure. Just because you're an actor doesn't mean you're on every second of the day because you're still human. You're still a person. You still have this fluctuation of emotions and you, you still go through life. And as we all know, life isn't always sunshine and roses, particularly candid shots and moments when people don't know that a camera's on them. That's the best time to really capture someone because they're not paying attention to the surrounding because they're in the present. They're in that moment. So that's where you can see more of their true self. So yes, it definitely is worth it. And then can, particularly when you can compare videos over time or still photography over time to see how it's the same or see how it's different and get patterns of changes, that's very enlightening as well. Makes sense. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I totally love this topic and I find it so interesting because I think it's something that we all know innately in ourselves, but we're not necessarily experts. So we're, you know, always have questions as to what things mean, what things don't mean and all of that stuff. So Mm -hmm. I so appreciate your expertise. Please come join us anytime. I would love to. Thank you so much for having me today. It's my pleasure. Um, I'm fascinated by people that are just experts in this field and can really hone in on what nonverbal communication really means. Right. And it makes me think so much more about my own cues and what I'm doing and my micro expressions because oh my gosh it's just like oh it's like what am I doing all day what are people thinking of me (laughs) right Right. exactly that's what I found one of the more interesting things that Blanca said was it's not necessarily like something about how 
we're being perceived. It might not be the truth, but what we're doing with our hands and our face and our body is all telling people other things. And that's how they're perceiving us. Right. And I think even some of those perceptions are subconscious. I think sometimes people don't even realize what they're taking in, but it's causing them to sort of augment their behavior as well. It's just very fascinating. Definitely. Well, all in all, I think my summary of it is if there was a rift, there's not anymore. I can't, I can't be convinced anymore that these two are on the outs because their body language was telling me that they're, they're cool. I think I'm still team rift. I think, okay. well, I think they're at a bit of a detente because just the fact that there haven't really been any leaks, like I said at the beginning, like there haven't been any competing sort of briefings going on where it's like, this person thinks this, well, this person thinks this, it seems that things have cooled down in that way. So I think, yeah, we're probably inching towards a, re a resolution Definitely. But I still think there's probably a little bit of awkwardness there. You, you could be right. I mean, I think obviously what happened with the interview, if I was William, I wouldn't be happy. Like who would, <gasps> you know? Um, but someone who also, someone who agrees with me is Stuart Pierce. I had to uh, chat with him, Molly. So last week I got him on Zoom really quick to talk about what he thought of the statue. And here's what he had to say. What did you think of Princess Diana's statue? Oh, you didn't, you don't like it. <laughs> I was surprised. I was surprised. Okay. I have, it's, I have been reading and I have seen some mixed reactions. So tell me. I feel that the, the actual essence of it is really beautiful. Right. That she, there she is in all of her majesty in a sort of, in a maturity and a seniority with the three children. I, I was just slightly surprised by the color of it, but then it was shown to me on a very quick video. I wasn't actually there because it was a private, very private ceremony. Right. So I want to get closer to actually really study it. What did you feel? To be honest with you, I thought it was gorgeous. I didn't expect the children. I thought that was a lovely touch. Um, and I sort of, I, I didn't think it was going to be to look exactly like her. I sort of, this is kind of what I envisioned yeah. in a way. I just want to drink it in much more fully. I thought it was a beautiful little ceremony and I'm really glad to see the two boys being seen in that way. Yes. Because- What did you think of them? You know, they entered laughing, smiling together. Do you think that the optics of it were good for them? Oh, absolutely unquestionably, because it dispels any of the brouhaha over the fact that there's a rift, which, as you know, we've exchanged. I don't believe that there was a rift. There was a slight disagreement. But I mean, you know, who doesn't disagree with his brother? Right. <laughs> but it's been blown out of complete proportion. You know, it's been overly dramatized. So the very fact that they were there looking so relaxed, really handsome. I mean, look at those tall, straight bodies wearing those blue suits, sexy, tight fitting, but at the same time, not too unconventional with their, you know, with their ties and their so forth. I thought they looked really good. I did, too. What did you make of the, the intimate gathering you mentioned? You know, the Queen wasn't there. Prince Charles wasn't there. Of course, Kate and Meghan were not in attendance. Did you think that was good? Well, you know, it's very strange. We still live under the mantle of COVID restrictions. Right. And although they weren't masked, 
The point is that the protocols are still very severe. And we know that there have been some really complex behaviors in central government over the last two weeks, which means that one major minister has been uh, released, um, you know, has been got rid of purely and simply because he actually misbehaved within the substance of COVID restrictions. So I feel that what the royal family are doing are being immensely representative of what the law of the land is all about. And that's one of the reasons why the Queen wasn't there and why Meghan wasn't there. I mean, Meghan obviously is at home with the children, so that's completely understandable. But it is interesting that Catherine wasn't there as well, that it became this very, very intimate celebration of just the two two princes and select members of the Spencer entourage. I read somewhere that the Duchess of Cambridge got a private viewing of the statue with her children before. Did you hear the same? I haven't, no, but that doesn't surprise me in the slightest. I'm sure that they've already gone down to see it, all of them together, to have their private moments. Um, And then it would have been veiled. And I thought it was really neat the way that they laughed as they pulled the cords and the whole thing. (laughs) But I thought it was also really interesting, just from a body behavior, that Harry then took the green swathed fabric and rolled it up and then handed it to somebody. I thought that was a really interesting sort of practical, ordinary, authentic thing to indicate to everybody, no, I'm still very much part of this and I don't mind uh, clearing up the crockery after after tea sort sort of thing. (laughs) It was really interesting that someone who was a close personal friend of Princess Diana's, the initial, he couldn't answer at first because I don't think his initial, he initially liked what he saw. Really? Yeah, it was really interesting. I want to have him back on the show. I know he's actually the perfect guest, so he can join us every week. But he was seeing it the day after I spoke to him. So I wonder if in person he felt differently. But he told me that initially what he saw was not what he expected. Wow. What do you think he expected? I don't. It's interesting. I just I kept thinking that since he is such good friends with he was such good friends with Princess Diana that he probably had something in his head going into it, knowing that person so well. Um, And then when it was revealed, it was just not at all, you know, what he thought it would be. Not to say that he doesn't like it now. I don't want to put any words in his mouth, but it was just an interesting sort of first take. But he also thinks that, you know, William and Harry are, are good. That's good. That's very reassuring. And I hope that that's the case. I really do. And he was invited from uh, Prince William's camp to come see it. Um, So again, we have to have him back on because I want to hear what that was like, because he said it was also going to be a small, intimate group again for COVID protocols and the like. So I think it was sort of like uh, the second tier of invites was the following day. So I can't wait to see. He might have a completely different opinion now. So We'll have to have him come on and um, let us know. Absolutely. Final thoughts. You, we like the statue. It's what I expected from the ro- a royally commissioned piece of art. Right. But it, it didn't have the sort of... It didn't have the razzle-dazzle I would have put into it. Yeah. 
But I'm also from New Jersey. I wear Uggs still, you know, like I'm not having like royal taste. So I I have acrylic nails. I'm going to, it's like Picasso on steroids is what I would have done. You know what I mean? Like over the time. It was like Diana and the tiara in that gown she danced with John Travolta in. And it was like swirling with like lights on it. We would have been all for it as a miracle. Right. Give me Diana revenge dress. How about that? Yeah. How about put that outside the serpentine as a statue forever? Like that's my, that's my, uh, that's my yeah, taste. Well, Hey, you're going to have to go and look in person for us and report back. Yes. If it ever stops raining in London, I, that is the first thing I'm going to do. Trust me. Yes. I can't wait. Well, thank you everyone for tuning into another episode of Royally Us. Don't miss us every Wednesday. We'll see you next week. <laughs>